Hello, and welcome to The Shining Light, where we are shining the light of the gospel and speaking the truth in love, providing strength, and stirring the hearts of our listeners. We are so glad to have you joining us today as you listen to this message from Pastor Tim Cruz. As I think about this, I think about some different things that you learn in life, and we've heard the expression, flying off the handle, we've all heard that. You ever wonder where that came from? In the pioneering days of America, axes were often handmade. Men on the frontier would carve down their own handles to fit it into an axe head they had bought before moving out west. Usually they were fitted rather crudely, and this made for a bad bond. Many times while chopping, the axe head fell off and sometimes injuring nearby people. Because it was a sudden act of quick danger, it became known as flying off the handle. When one would have a sudden, unpredictable burst of uncontrolled anger, it was in a moment, yet it was dangerous to those nearby. We never know when we're going to face a sudden act of quick danger. Something that's going to come into our lives, literally, circumstantially, out of the blue, something that God in heaven allows. I want you to take your Bibles and stand with me this morning and turn to the book of Job. Job chapter 23, let's begin here, Job 23. I want you to see verse 14, and let's read it aloud together. Job is right before the book of Psalms. Job 23 and verse 14. Let's read it aloud. For he performeth the thing that is appointed for me, and many such things are with him. Job 23, 14. Let's read it again. For he performeth the thing that is appointed for me, and many such things are with him. I want you to underline that. He performeth, he brings to pass the thing that is appointed for me. Look there in verse 10, for he knoweth, or but he knoweth, the way that I take. This is the way that he has chosen. This is the way that he has appointed. And we see this in the life of Job, really? We think blessing, we think up, up, up. We think getting more, 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 and God says, no, down, 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 less, less, less. This is the way God has appointed for me. Wow. Take that to heart and think of that. Look over in chapter 26, verse 14. I want you to make sure you've underlined this verse. Let's read this aloud. Lo, these are parts of his ways, but how little a portion is heard of him. But the thunder of his power, who and understand. We don't always understand what God is doing. We don't always know what he's up to. And we get just a little glimpse, a little insight as to who he is and how he works here through his word. The Bible does not give us an exhaustive display, a representation of the power of God. It gives us an insight. All that God wants us to know and all that we need to know that God is great. God is powerful. 
and God is at work. In the circumstances of our life, no matter how dire, difficult, or disappointing they are. Thank you. you may be seated. With that in mind, let's go back to chapter 1, Job chapter 1. Job was faced here with a sudden act of danger. In the summary of this book, you could uh, put in these words, basically, for these 42 chapters. We read of Job's family, his faith, his fire, his friends, and his finish. He finished well. He, God blessed the latter end of Job more than his beginning. God even gave him twice as much as he had before, but this was the way that God chose for him, the way that God appointed for him. God wants us to trust him in our devastation. Whatever comes, I mean, it just hits us all of a sudden, out of nowhere, and then it brings pain and injury and sorrow and loss. We learn to trust God in the devastating moments of life, number one, by remembering that he is in control. I want you to write that down, if you will. God initiated this trial in verse 6. Now, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them, and the Lord said unto Satan, Whence comest thou? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro in the earth and from walking up and down in it. And the Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered? Have you pondered? Have you looked upon and thought about my servant Job? That there is none like him in the earth, a perfect, that means sincere, and an upright man, one that feareth God and escheweth or turneth aside evil. Then Satan answered the Lord and saith, Doth Job fear God for naught? Hast not thou made an hedge about him and about his house and about all that he hath on every side? Thou hast blessed the work of his hands and his substance is increased in the land. But put forth thine hand now and touch all that he hath and he will curse thee to thy face. And the Lord said unto Satan, Behold, all that he hath is in thy power. Only upon himself put not forth thine hand. So Satan went forth from the presence of the Lord. This trial was initiated not by Satan, but by God. Let that sink in for a moment. We think Satan as a roaring lion goeth about seeking whom he may devour. He's just wrecking havoc, doing whatever he wants. Martin Luther said, even the devil is God's devil. The devil's not in control. God is in control. God is at work in this world. Why would he allow this? Why would he appoint this? We do not know why. But we know that God knows, and from this, God proved himself all-wise, all-powerful, all-sufficient, no matter the dire circumstance that we face. No matter how perplexing, no matter how confusing, we can learn that he's still God. And he will sustain his children. And God cares for us. And God will carry us through, come what may. God initiated this. This came from God. Now get your mind around that. Get your heart around that. This is from God. God initiated this trial and Satan executed this trial. Just turn with me over to chapter 2 and notice this. Chapter 2. 
So many things were taken away from Job, all of his possessions, all ten of his children. And then there was another day when the sons of God, chapter 2 and verse 1, came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them to present himself before the Lord. And the Lord said unto Satan, see it there again, from whence comest thou? And Satan answered the Lord and said, from going to and fro in the earth and from walking up and down in it. And the Lord said unto Satan, hast thou considered my servant Job? Now, have you taken a second look at him after I have allowed you to touch him, that hedge that I have about him? Now, think about it. Remember, Satan said you've got a hedge about him. That word means to entwine, to shut in. God has protected Job and his family, and Satan could not touch them without God's permission. And God was going to test not only the motive of Job, why he served God, not just because God blessed him, but because God was God and God was good, and whether the blessings came or went, Job was going to serve the blesser, God himself, and God was going to demonstrate that through the life of Job. And so as you think about it, God was testing not only his motive, but his measure, because there came a day, and then one servant said, this happened, and then another came and said, this happened, and then another on top of that. You've lost this now on top of all that you've already lost, this setback. It's amazing. God was, a t- was testing his measure. How far would he go? And I ask you a simple question this morning, humbly. Where is that point in your life? What would it take for you to quit? What would it take for you to just get to the point to where we see Job's wife was and say, now that's enough. I've had it. I'm just going to curse God and do whatever I want to do. This is where I get off, Lord. I don't want to trust you. I don't want to serve you. In trying to do that, look what it got me. Look where I am now. It doesn't appear to be worth it to me. In fact, it's not worth it. And I'm done with this. And I don't know about you, but I've been there. I've been there. And I'm sure that many of you have in some measure or another. Lord, I just, I can't do this. I, I can't keep going and and just set back after set back, disappointment after disappointment, and then loss upon loss. I mean, God's going to test our motive. He's going to test our measure. Our measure. How far will you go with the Lord? He's going to test our metal. Just what are we willing to bear up under? And the Lord said here to the devil in chapter 2 and verse 3, uh, he's one that feareth God and escheweth evil and Still he holdeth, although thou movest me against him to destroy him without cause. I hope you'll underline that, to destroy him. Job said later on, thou hast destroyed me. See, I I don't know how low God will take you or me. I don't know the measure of emptying God will bring into your life. I, I don't know the pain and the hurt and the sorrow and the confusion that's coming our way. But I know that there is a God in heaven whom I can trust, whom I can commit myself and my future to. And if I will humble myself before him, he not only can because he has all power, but he will in his time bring out of bad, even blessing out of cursing. 
even increase out of decrease. Remember, these are the ways and the workings of God. Once you get your mind around this, you will understand the loving kindness of God. Psalm 107. God loves us. Sometimes what he allows says opposite to us in our humanity. This makes no sense, Lord. Where are you and why would you allow this? And here he is doing right. He maintained his integrity. And, uh, and then Satan says in verse 4, Skin for skin, yea, all that a man hath will he give for his life, but put forth thine hand now and touch his bone and his flesh, and he will curse thee to thy face. See, he was ultimately trying to get Job to curse God. See, I, I quit. This is not worth it. I gave my life to God as best I knew. I meant well. I was sincere. And this is what it got me. This is what I deserve. I want none of this. I'm done with it. Remember, on top of this, this is what his wife said in verse number 9. Dost thou still retain thine integrity? Do what? Underline it. Curse God and die. That's what the devil was trying to get him to do. To deny the Lord. To curse the Lord. I think of one who did, remember, Peter? He denied the Lord, he cursed. I don't know how we'll respond to our troubles and trials. And by the way, let's not be too lifted up in ourselves thinking we'll never do what Peter did. Peter thought he would never do what he did, right? So be careful there. We don't know how we're going to respond because sometimes... It hits us and it hits us hard and it takes the wind out of our sails and, and it just demoralizes us altogether. And then trial upon trial, see the measure, how far will we go? What can we bear? Our metal, what are we made of? Do we have true faith in God? Do we have a heart for God? Do we love God more than we love ourselves? Do we love others more than we love ourselves? Sometimes in our hurt we think only about ourselves and so it's like I want to shut everyone else out so that I can take care of myself. Somehow I've got to survive and God understands that even. And I'm thankful that God is a merciful God because God ultimately not only blessed Job here, but God blessed Job's wife. He blessed them together and gave them ten more children. That's amazing, is it not? But God is merciful. I think God is understanding and far more merciful than we are. Not only to each other, but even to our own selves. Sometimes we're so uh, demanding, even demeaning to ourselves we're always beating ourselves up and thinking, oh, I'm struggling with this and, or maybe I really feel this way. And, and while you're living all of that, you think the Lord is just so disappointed and, and, and so far removed. And it's like, oh, is this what I get as your God after all that I've done for you? Listen, that's not the heart of God toward us. God is near to the brokenhearted. God actually is drawn to us when we're hurting. See, sometimes we push other people away. Sometimes people don't want to be a part of that, and they push them away. If you're hurting, don't see me. I don't want to deal with that. I don't want to have anything to do with that. You, you made your bed, now lie in it. You got in trouble. You made a mess. Now you suffer on your own. See, really, that's where his friends would come in. But see, that's not the heart of God. Aren't you thankful for that? God says, how can I help? He's nigh to the brokenhearted. You say, well, I feel so far from God. I feel so alienated from God. I would tell you, friend, he's close to you. If you're his child, he's close to you right here, right now. There's a God in heaven who is ultimately in control. We have to 
remember that. We have to be reminded of that, that God, you are sovereign. Help me not to leave you out of this equation because if I do, that's where I would be. My circumstances bearing down on me is unbearable and it's just like, what other option do I have but to say, I'm out. Boy, we have to be careful. Remember that God is in control. He initiated the trial. Satan executed the trial. Number two, by humbling yourself before him. One of the hardest things. You know, it's easy to get up here and say this, and we're all like, yeah, yeah, you're right, amen. <laughs> but have you ever lived this? When it makes no sense, and when you're wondering where God is, and when you have suffered great setback or loss or something that you cannot correct, or adjust or change. And when you're going through that, that, that's not an easy thing. And our human nature is to harden ourselves and, and to somehow uh, really in bewilderment, in dismay, try to figure out what happened and why and then why it happened to me. And, and really, if you study this about the book of Job, it, it's amazing here. People think that the theme of this book is why we suffer. No, it's not. The theme of this book is why we serve God at all. That's the theme of this book. Why do we even serve God? That he will allow his own children whom he loves so much that he would give his only son as a sacrifice for their sin? Well, why would we serve such a God? Why would we be faithful to him when he chooses to allow setback? and pain into our lives. Why would we keep serving him? Well, Job learned the wisdom because he truly had a heart for God and loved God. He humbled himself back in chapter 1. The Bible says in verse 20, Then Job arose and rent his mantle and shaved his head and fell down upon the ground and what? Worshipped. He offered up the worship of acceptance. I mentioned this Wednesday night, accepting what we don't understand, accepting what we would not have chosen, accepting imperfections not only in life and in others but in ourselves. Accepting that, hey, I'm going to fail at times and I'm going to come up short. I'm not going to excuse it, but I'm not going to beat myself up over it either. I'm going to trust God and his mercy. He offered up the worship of acceptance and said, naked came I out of my mother's womb and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave and the Lord hath taken away. You've got to see this. Job never left God out of the equation of his suffering. He looked to God. He didn't hard himself. I'm going to quit reading the Bible. I'm going to quit going to church. And by the way, let me give you something here that I've seen through the years. When you're hurting sometimes, the last place you want to be is in church. But the most important place you need to be is in church. Sometimes you don't want to be around other people that seem to have it all together and God is blessing them, I guess, because they deserve it. They're such good Christians. And you feel that way. Sometimes the last person you want to see out in public or come by the house is the preacher <laughs> because he represents God that you're struggling with right now. The God who you feel like has slighted you or alienated you or shunned you or, or has rejected you. And so while you're hurting and you're struggling with that pain, your tendency is to withdraw from those who represent the Lord. Sometimes to the point of even being ill in your heart toward them like something's wrong with them. But really, we understand ultimately it's not really what's wrong on their end. 
It's what's unsettled on our end. And we have to learn to settle ourselves before the Lord. That's what humbling means. It's like, Lord, I'm going to gather my, my thoughts, my heart, my mind, and I'm going to give them to you and say, Lord, everything I have, you gave me anyway. And if you've taken it from me, then I trust you with it. And I want you to know I'm going to serve you not because of what you've done for me, but because of who you are. And I do love you more than I love myself. And by your help, I'm going to do what's right. In all this, verse 22 says, underline that, Job sinned not nor charged God foolishly. He didn't curse God. He didn't blame God. He didn't say, but where were you? I thought you cared for me. Is this what I got? I prayed every morning for my kids. I gave them to you, Lord. I recognized your hand upon my life. I tried to do what's right. And by the way, you will replay that in your heart and in your mind oftentimes when you have deep, deep trials. When you're devastated and all of this is wrangling within your heart and you're grappling with this, those thoughts will come through. But it's not that you don't struggle. It's not that you don't wonder. It's not that you don't have questions. It's that the side that you choose to come down on is one of faith and humbling or one of unbelief and hardening. No, I'm not going to live like this. No, I don't want this. No, I'm not going to accept this. Oh, be careful. Because Job humbled himself. But think about it. We know what happened ultimately, right? The trial wasn't over here. It was just beginning. It would go on for about a year altogether before God turned it around. But God did turn it around. God gave him twice as much as he had before. And he lived to be an old man. Think about that. And he not only saw his children, but his children's children, his grandchildren. He was convinced that it was over. His wife was convinced that it was over. But God was at work and God had a plan. And this is what God had appointed for him. And God had a future for Job and his wife yet. And I want to remind you all today, all of us need to hear these words. That no matter the, the depth of your trial, no matter how devastating and dark it is, there is always a future for the people of God you have a future. God is saying to us today, the fact that we're still here means that he's not finished with us. You will be able to rise above this by the help of God and go on. And when you think, no, it's over, I, I just hurting so deeply, I, I'll never recover, I'll never move beyond this. God may have generations of people yet ahead to bless you with in your life. You've got to believe that, not because I say it, but because God says it. You've got to believe that there's a future for you and for your little ones. There's a hope in God. There is something that God can do. Don't leave him out because God can intervene in your situation in ways that you're not even thinking of right now. Who would have thought after 10 freshly dug graves? Now, we cannot even imagine. I used to say, you can imagine. And then one time someone said, oh, no, I can't imagine that. And then I had to stop and think about it. You know, they're right. I can't say, you can imagine the pain he was suffering. No, you can't, neither can I. None of us can imagine what he was feeling. Not a one of us. The depth of that. But right in the midst of all that, he just gives himself and his situation to the Lord. He humbles himself. 
in the midst of his loss of his children, his possessions, his health. We take so much for granted, don't we? All that's here today, literally, could be gone tomorrow. Wearsby said, if the stars came out once a year, we'd stay up all night to look at them. But because they come out every night, we get used to them and take them for granted. Families with you every day, we see each other, we interact. If we only got to see each other once a year, can you imagine how exciting and savoring that time would be? I think sometimes God wants to bring a message like this to us from his word to remind us that, hey, life is short, life is uncertain. I haven't promised you a measure of days. I've just promised you that whatever your measure of days is, that I will go with you. And when those days expire, I'll receive you into glory. Now, I want to tell you, God needs to quicken us all, and we need to humble ourselves. Life has a way of hardening us if we let it. Isn't that right? You're not going to get through this world without heartache and pain. That's why we're going to need the Lord. We're going to need each other. We're going to need our family. We're going to need our church. Don't alienate people that God may have put in your path to help you. You say, I don't really need their help right now. Well, you may need their help, or one of your loved ones may need their help one day. Don't cut them off from the people that God has put in their life to help them. God wants us to understand that and see that. He's at work in our lives. Humble yourself before the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. He humbled himself at the loss of loved ones, possessions, and, and health, but at the lack of support from family and friends. His wife, so distraught, she was not there to bring the support and the encouragement. His friends, they doubted him and indicted him on every hand. There's sin somewhere, you've missed the mark. And by the way, isn't that the way we all normally look at somebody hurting? Well, they, they made a mess. They're, they, they, you know, whatever, I guess, getting what they deserve, I'm just going to leave it alone. No, God help us to have an opposite instinct of that. See, as I mentioned, God is drawn to our hurt. God is drawn to our pain. We ought to be drawn to people when they're hurting. Not to doubt them and indict them and vilify them like Job's friends did. I mean, always trying to size them up, always knowing their heart. All, listen, we don't know their heart. We don't know their pain. Who are we in the place of God sometimes to think like, you know, well, I know you're probably getting what you deserved and, 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 and if I even look at you and, and, and smile, you're getting more than you deserve from me. Isn't that amazing? How judgmental, how condemning, how self-righteous we can be when other people are struggling. And by the way, let's just all be reminded that you don't know what people are carrying this morning. Neither do I. There's some people today, this may be their last service. I was in a seminary class last summer. And the pastor of a very, very large church said that they were trying to expand their auditorium and uh, trying to get more people in because they were so out of room and out of parking space. And they kept challenging the people, challenging the people to do it. And one day... A distraught father came and said, I'm going to come to church and try it one more time. And he drove around and around and around, couldn't find a parking space. 
and he went back home. It was a custody battle. And he took the life of that child and himself. He, we know, is ultimately responsible for his actions. But that pastor says, I have to wonder. I have to wonder if he could have made it into that service that day, what God might have done for him. We don't know who's on the last leg today. We don't know who is broken to the point of, God, if you don't help me, I mean, there's, there's, there's no help to be had anywhere. Now, I've been there. And I'm thankful that I can say to you today, God, help me. Because Paul said, having therefore obtained the help of God, I continue this day. If God didn't help me, I would not be standing here today. And that is not, that, that's the depth of that statement you can't see. God help me. Some of you feel the same way. Isn't that right? Only God could have helped me, but he did. We have to humble ourselves. No matter what we're facing, no matter how others may not understand or appreciate it even, trust God in your devastation by remembering he's in control, by humbling yourself before him. And then number three, by being committed to him until death. Turn over to chapter 13. I'd like to labor more. There's just so much here. But just to conclude, notice this. Job said in verse number 15 of chapter 13, Though he slay me, yet will I trust in him, but I will maintain mine own ways before him. See, he knows the way that I take. This is the way that he's appointed for me. And because God's in charge of my ways, I am in control of my ways, meaning that I can decide what I'm going to do, and I'm going to walk in his light. I'm going to walk in the truth of what I know that is right before God. I'm going to maintain my ways. I'm going to guard them. I'm going to protect them. I'm going to do what's right. Now, I can't decide for anyone else. And some may make decisions that really affect me in a hurtful and a negative way. But even then, that doesn't limit who God is and what God will do in my life. I have a future. God will give me sustaining grace and God will give me guidance. God is with me. I have humbled myself. I'm trusting to the Lord. I'm holding to his promise. Though he slay me, Job loved God and his family more than he loved himself. I'm going to do what's right. And by the way, some of us, that's where God is testing us today. Are you doing what's right? As I've told you before, when my mother was presented by my uncle, hey, why don't y'all work this out? She said, all of the pain of the past in that moment welled up within me. And I thought, you know, he's hurt me too much. I'm done. I'm done. And in the moment, that's what she felt. But over a lifetime, that's what she told me before she died. Please forgive me. Because she went back to that moment. It was a defining moment in her life and ours and our families. She said, please forgive me. Well, she never made that right with God 
when she made that decision, she hardened her heart. And that's what she said, I hardened my heart. May the Lord help us to humble our hearts today. And just say, Lord, I'm going to trust you all the way through. I'm not going to let what others do or don't do determine what I do, the decision I make before you. What I decide is my responsibility and I'm accountable to you for it. I will live with the consequences of my personal choices. Think of Moses. After all he had been through, when he let what other people chose to do prompt him to act in disobedience to God, God said, okay, you're not going in the promised land. The point is this, is we sometimes feel other people's choices bearing down on us and it's like, I have no other choice. Yes, we do. Let's choose to do what's right because we're still accountable and responsible to God for the choices we make. We have to understand that. Because sometimes the, the point of frustration, aggravation, and disillusion even, it's like, no, I'm just... Don't find your refuge in this world. Something of this world. Something that will ultimately take you away from God. Find your refuge in the Lord. Let God help you. We go back to 23. We've come full circle now. And I want you to look at verse 10. But he knoweth the way, the way that I take. This is the way that I'm taking from his hand. This is what he's appointed for me, remember. When he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. Tested, tried, purged, purified. The dross of pride and self-will and even whatever measure of self-righteousness is in me. And he had some in him. Elihu was used of God to help him to see that. Amazing, amazing, isn't it? That God can bring us to that place to where it's like, hey, I have a future. This is not going to be the end of me. Not here, not now, not like this. This will not be the end of me. And what family I have is me and my wife. We're going to trust God. And trust God they did. And look how God blessed them. I don't know what God has for you, but God always would use his word when I was in a deep trial in the pastoring of this church. Don't miss what I have for you. Don't, don't rob yourself, your family, the church of what I have for you if you'll just be faithful, if you'll humble yourself, if you'll trust me. If you'll walk in the light that I've given you, you will come forth one day. I will continue to work on you and I'll continue to develop and deepen your faith. But trust me, humble yourself. And by God's grace, I ask and I plead with you, would you humble yourself today with whatever trouble or trial that you're going through, however devastating it is, would you be committed unto the Lord? The Bible says that Jesus committed himself unto him that judgeth righteously when he was being reviled. He entrusted himself to the judge of all the earth who always does right. I thought it was interesting. Many of you have heard this story. Once upon a time, a farmer owned an old mule who tripped and fell into a well. You've heard the story, right? The farmer heard the mule braying and was unable to figure out how to bring him up out of the well. It grieved him that he could not pull him out. He called his neighbors together and told them what happened. 
and had them help haul dirt in to bury the old mule in the well and quietly put him out of his misery. At first, the old mule was puzzled, but as a farmer and his neighbors continued shoveling and the dirt hit his back, he had a thought. He ought to shake off the dirt and step up, and he did just that. He shook off the dirt and he stepped up. He shook it off and he stepped up, shook it off and he stepped up. Even though he took painful blows of dirt and fought panic, he just kept right on shaking it off and stepping up. It wasn't long before the old mule stepped up and over the lip of that well. What could have buried him actually blessed him, all because of the manner in which he handled his adversity. You know, the Bible says in the book of Proverbs, chapter 16 and verse 20, he that handleth a matter wisely shall find good. And whoso trusteth in the Lord, happy is he. Tell you what, I was very sad at seasons of life. Very devastated. But God helped me to humble myself before him. And I am so glad that I did. I am so happy that I did. After the shipwreck in Acts 28, Paul was thought to be a devil because he was bitten by a viper. He took it off and kept going. Then they thought he was a god. <laughs> Public opinion, I wrote these words, and this is it. Public opinion changes with the tide. Don't let people, what people think or say about you determine your future. It's not who you are that holds you back. It's who you think you are not. You're not who people say you are. You're who God says you are. You're more than a conqueror through him that loved us. We are a victorious people. Who does God say you are in Jesus Christ? Claim that identity. Claim that freedom. Claim that power and blessing in your life. Thank you for listening to The Shining Light. We pray that this time has been a time of encouragement and blessing to you. The Shining Light is a production of Shining Light Baptist Church located at 2541 Old Charlotte Highway in Monroe, North Carolina. If you don't have a church home, we invite you to join us. Service times and more information can be found at our website, www.shininglightmonroe.com. You can also watch our services on Facebook and YouTube and connect with us on social media. Thank you for joining us, and God bless.